All right, so this is part three on dreams and visions. We're going to continue looking at the life of Joseph. We were looking last week at dreams that he was having when he was a young man, and they were really basically in a category that I would call destiny dreams. He was having dreams about his destiny. And I've had some dreams myself that would point to destiny, and I know some of you have. So it's interesting how God can speak, and they were very prophetic. So we're going to pick it up in Genesis 40. I'm going to read this, and then we're just going to continue to talk about dreams, symbols, different types of dreams. And then some of you may have had a dream this week. We can talk about that. But feel free if you have a question. Like I said, we want this to be a class-type environment. So Father, anoint us tonight as we look at dreams especially. We're not taking the time. It's, I, I love, I was talking to Allison about this driving over. I love the story of Joseph, and I even relate to it a lot. And it's wonderful to just take that story, but I'm skipping some, and I'm really just highlighting the dreams. So if you want to go back and read the whole story, it's an amazing story. And he's a type and shadow of Christ. He's a deliverer that God raised up. But we're bumping to 40 tonight. There were... It's a series, if you read the story, it's a series of two dreams. Two dreams that he shares about himself, that his brothers start talking and say, well, they say, we got to do something with this boy. Because in those dreams, basically they're both pointing to he's going to be a leader. And they're going to be following him. And he's the youngest, and that's not tradition. But how many knows oftentimes God will just buck tradition? God's not hung up on our traditions. Then there's two more dreams that happen now. Even though he's sold into slavery, he gets picked up by Potiphar. He's constantly, this leadership, leadership gift in him, Just you constantly see it because Potiphar's house, he's the leader of the house. Well, that gets him into trouble. He's thrown in prison. The prison, uh, the warden says, I'm going to put you over the prison. Even though he's a prisoner, he's the leader of the prisoners. So in 40, we'll pick it up in chapter 40. Now sometime later, this is a story of the butler and the baker. The cupbearer and the baker, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord. And Egypt's king, Pharaoh, in the Amplified it says it's, I've never seen this before, but it says it's Sesotris II was the actual name of that Pharaoh was extremely angry with his two officials and the chief of the cupbearers and the chief of the bakers. He put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. Now some people say that possibly there had been a, an assassination attempt on the Pharaoh, that somebody had tried to poison his food. The butler and the baker would be closest in line for that. That's just what some, I've heard some people say that. As we continue to read here, verse 5, Then the cupbearer, the butler, and baker of the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, confined in prison, both dreamed a dream in the same night. Each man with his own significant dream, I'm reading from the Amplified, and each dream with its personal interpretation, which Joseph, when Joseph came to them in the morning and looked at them, he saw that they were sad and depressed. 
So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in confinement with him in his master's house, Why do you look so downhearted today? And they said to him, We have each dreamed distinct dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God. Please tell me your dreams. Now that's a huge, there's a lot going on right here. Number one, did you notice, they're sad simply because they've had dreams and they're saying there's nobody here to interpret it. They know there is dream interpretation. That's what I keep kind of hammering the point. The ancient civilization, these are Egyptians, but it was so common throughout the ancient world. They knew that dreams spoke to something. There was no question. And they're sad because they're thinking, well, they're, we're down here in the prison. They, they probably normally go to the magicians or the sorcerers or, you know, they're in, they're in the court of Pharaoh. Pharaoh had, we know, he had those top people in his court. So they probably went to them and they got a reading, a dream interpretation. It may not necessarily have been right, but they got, that's, that's just, that's what they would do. Now look at Joseph's response. It's very important. Do not interpretations belong to God. Now last week we talked about where they come from. They can come from God, Satan, a dark dream, a nightmare, or they can come from our soul. That's where they can come from. But where does the interpretation come from? The interpretation belongs to God regardless of where it comes from. Regardless, the interpretation belongs to God. Now that's what's interesting here. You could have a dark dream that comes from the enemy. And I've seen these, I've had these, but you see these if you go out. We used to go out to Southside and try to interpret dreams. Well, you get a lot of folks coming up that have had these dark, just awful dreams. You got to flip that. And you might say, and you're, you're, when you're hearing that, you're saying, well, this is obviously what the enemy wants to do to them. The enemy always wants to do the opposite. So what does God want to do with them? The interpretation belongs to the Lord. And a soul dream, like I said, those usually, the interpretation belongs to God, but usually they're, they're a little bit more like last week, Justin said, I'm having, I've been thinking about my friend and then I go to bed and I'm having dreams about my friend and what he's kind of going through. The very thing I'm thinking about. Things that are weighing on you can show up in your mind. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. So that can show up in your dreams. And so still the interpretation is godly because I said, well, pray for your friend. He's showing up. I did not feel like that was necessarily a God dream because he really felt like it was a soul dream. Not that it was evil. This category is not necessarily evil. It's just you. It's your mind. This is evil. This is, this is like, this could be good, but this is God. With the, with the soul dreams, you know, you were saying, like, I had this dream last night. It could be like a cleansing or like a flushing, cleansing. That's stepping. When you've had things on you or just... Sometimes. That is a term that John Paul Jackson would use. Sometimes you have what he would call a flushing dream where it's almost like it's sort of flushing out of you through you. And God is doing that sort of kind of clear the palate. But he would call it kind of a flushing dream, something that 
It just maybe you went out and spent all day at the ball. And then you have this kind of just this soul dream of just emotions and just kind of just kind of might even had some anger in it, could have had some other things that you're picking up at, on when you're out there and you just kind of it just kind of gets flushed out of you. Or emotions that you might have even had that can just kind of come out. Yeah. But the other thing I was going to say is, could you mention quickly, you said a dream like you would interpret on the street of the enemy. That would not be hard to understand how that could be a God, or you're talking about how you would flip it, of the, a quickly. I guess the example would be that girl that had the tsunami yeah. here in Hawaii, and you, you knew the enemy, but basically she had a call to be an intercessor. When we were in Mexico and interpreting dreams, young lady that we spent a lot of time with that was on the street that was probably in a gang, she shared several dreams of a tsunami hitting. It was, it was a, a town on the Pacific coast. So they knew what waves were. They, some of them would surf. She said, I keep having this dream of this big wave coming down and crushing and just destruction in her dream. Well, that's what the enemy wants to do is kill, steal, destroy. The thing, the God interpretation, what I was sensing was, I believe she had a calling to be an intercessor. She's not even walking with the Lord right. But there's, there's this burden in her for her area, for her town. And so that was the flipping it is, yeah, this looks really dark, but what's God saying in this? You're getting this, and maybe it's frightening you, but how do we flip this thing? enemy's trying to tell you something really bad, you know you'd stand against it. <laughs> and that <laughs> can take a little while. Alice is kind of jumping to kind of a little bit more advanced. It takes a little while to step into that because it can be overwhelming to talk to somebody that is giving you all this garbage dreams. And you just hear that and it's coming out of them and it's dark. And when I first was exposed to that kind of thing, I would just be overwhelmed. That's awful. <laughs> I don't want to hear this. But you have to have the interpretation belongs to God. So I find that very interesting. The avenues could be different how it comes. But the bottom line, God is going to interpret this thing. And that's what happens with these dreams. We'll read the rest of this and then we'll come back to discussion. So we'll hear these dreams in the Bible here in verse 9. So the chief cupbearer, the butler, told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream there was a grapevine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. Then as soon as it budded, its blossoms burst open, and its clusters produced grapes in rapid succession. Now Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup. Then I placed the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Now notice how this is what the guy does for a living. This dream is speaking to what he does. He prepares the cup for Pharaoh. And a lot of times God will speak to you in dream language of things that you're familiar with. Joseph says to him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches represent three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head present you to the public and restore you to your position and you will again put Pharaoh's cup into his hand just as you did when you were his cupbearer. Only think of me when it goes well with you and please show me kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house, out of this jail. 
They sing of that old song, he's in the jailhouse now. For in fact, I was taken, stolen from, from the land of Hebrews by unlawful force. And even here I have done nothing for which they should put me in the dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation of the dream was good, he says to Joseph, I also dreamed. And in my dream there were three cakes on my head. And in the top basket there were some of all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh. But the birds of prey were eating these foods out of the basket on my head. Joseph answered, this is the interpretation of it. The three baskets represent three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and will hang you on a tree, the gallows. And you will not so much as be given a burial, but the birds will eat your flesh. Wow. On the third day, which was the Pharaoh's birthday... He released the two men from prison and made a feast for all his servants. He lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer, the butler, and the head of the chief baker that is presented them in public among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his office. And the cupbearer once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But Pharaoh hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had interpreted the meaning of the dreams to them. Yet even after all that, the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot all about him. And it would be a few more years before he would remember. So this is an amazing story. And this really is high level interpretation. Because I would never tell you in a situation... When you have a dream like that, tell somebody that they're going to be executed the next day. That's, you, you need to know you're hearing from God, you know. That, that, that's that's high-level stuff. But here it is. We've got it in our Bible. We, we've got it. This is Old Testament, Old Covenant. This is before the Lord, and this is God speaking to these people. And it's very likely that the baker probably had a, attempted to, to poison the king. I think that's what happened. And God was issuing judgment. And if he'd been released and gone back in there, he probably would have tried it again. So it just, it was his time to go. He was, I mean, it's just, it's hard to read it, but it's, it's, a, it's the justice of God. So the butler's dream is three days. It's these grapes. The baker's dream is interesting how it's three in each of them, but now it's on their head and it's these birds picking. So don't come to me with a dream where you have birds picking on your head. Now, what's interesting about this too, we cannot really say that the baker's dream was from the devil. It was from God. It was judgment against his life. He probably did something. I believe they were both from the Lord. One was advancement. One was demotion. But I don't think that the baker's even, oh, it was about execution. I don't think it was from the enemy. I think they were both God dreams. And this brings us to another thing. Last week we talked about different types of dreams. Well, both of these dreams are prophetic. There are prophetic dreams. There are destiny dreams. They kind of fall into that. But I, I think also specifically these dreams are sort of positioning dreams and what some might call transition 
there's a transition happening. They've been imprisoned, and now their dreams are speaking to where they're going, this transition. Well, one of them transitioned back up to his place, and the other one transitioned down. He didn't go to a good place, but it's sort of positioning and transitioning. You're going to have those dreams that speak of a transition. And Teresa came to me Sunday with a dream she had. I believe it spoke of a transition. She was getting ready for a journey. Can I say that part you in the dream? You're getting ready for a journey. If you have a dream that you're getting ready for a journey, you're about to go somewhere. That's a transition. It's sort of a positioning. And I believe the Lord gave her some specific things in that dream to be doing to prepare. So if you have a dream like this, positioning, transition, why would you have it? It's to prepare you and give you even sort of strategies on what you should be doing. God is saying, this is coming. So what do I need to do with it? These type dreams can even, uh, this can even lead to a whole other category of dreams, which I would call invention and uh, inventive, creative dreams. Oh, I'll give you examples. The riff in the unofficial um, song of Alabama. What's the unofficial song of the state of Alabama? Sweet Home Alabama. The riff, the guitar riff in that song that builds the whole song that don't 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 that guy had that in a dream. He heard that in a dream and he went in the studio. You see it time and time with artists, with inventors, they will dream something. Um, Johnny Cash recorded the song Ring of Fire. He was getting ready to record the song. And he heard in a dream Mexican trumpets, horns, Spanish horns on that song. That's how the song opened. He didn't have that on other songs. He heard that in a dream. They said, hey, let's put those horns on that song. He heard that in a dream. So you can get sort of directives and ideas and just through a dream. Somebody, I've, I have to do my research on this, but I want to say somebody said that, you know, if you go back 10, 20 years ago, when you went to a public restroom, they didn't have those, those for in the men's and ladies, those pull down to put a baby and change a baby. Somebody said that was in a dream, that a guy got the idea for that in a dream that invented that. I've heard that. But I've heard of several other inventions and discoveries that would happen because God would bring it to them in a dream. So we're just talking about different types of dreams. Uh, last week we also talked about warning Intercession dreams kind of go hand in hand. Now, help if I could spell and write. Who's to say if that baker had not taken that word and repented that night and said, God, I'm sorry for what I've been doing, interceded. Who's to say if that was what God was speaking? But, it, you know, sometimes the word of God and the will of God, and that's a whole other message, but like, I'll give you an example, Nineveh and Jonah, he goes and says, what was it, 40 days and this town's going to fall? 
That was the word of God, but it wasn't the will because they begin to repent and it doesn't happen. So who's to say if the baker had really fallen before the Lord on his face and said, because maybe he knew in his heart why that was going to happen. If he'd been up to something, you know, up to no good. And if he'd really turned, you can get these warnings prophetically through a dream. And how are we going to respond to it? God can give, uh, i tell you what, another thing that can happen in a dream. I've had it happen to me. It's pretty powerful. You can literally get deliverance in a dream. There's so much that can happen. It's just, it's almost like the sky's the limit to what God can do to you. Because like I said in Job 33, kind of our foundation, in deep sleep, when man's in slumber, God comes and he seals instruction. He does things to us. Because like what we said, what do we say? What's still awake? The spirit's awake. The spirit's awake. So there can be deliverance. It's, it's just amazing. And I'm probably just scratching the surface here. Uh, if you have a dream give you an idea with this this idea of, of a transitional dream going on a journey another example is this happens a lot in dreams we were crossing over a bridge that's a transitional type dream you're going somewhere else you're going to something new or I was going through a doorway it's that transition of going from one room to another moving from one place to another I know it, it's probably a lot to take in. It's a lot. I'm just, I'm just throwing a lot out at you. I'm seeing what's going to stick and just see what. It's fascinating to me. Um, there's another type of dream that is you can have an encouragement dream. You just have a dream and it encourages. I had that this morning. I woke up, I had a dream. Allison and I were preparing. We were at a conference that we've done several times with a prophetic man that we know, and we were getting ready to lead worship. And he runs in, and there's a podium like this, and he sets the Bible down in front of me. He says, I want you to read Psalm 20 during the worship. So I get up, and that was real. I was like, God, well, you can't make this one any more easy for me. I like those where it's just, and, and you can pray that way if you struggle with dreams. You say, God, I want to have dreams, and can you make them easy for me? <laughs> He'll do that sometimes. So I get up and I read Psalm 20. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the Lord God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. May he grant you according to your heart's desire. It's tremendously encouraging. This It was just laid in front of my lap. It's like, here's, here's your word. Here's your sign. <laughs> May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. Fulfill all your purpose. This is Psalm 20. We will rejoice in your salvation, and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. This is actually a psalm they would read when David would go to battle. We'll set up our battles. Uh, banners because that may the Lord be with you in the day of trouble that's that's fighting time day of trouble may the Lord fulfill all your petitions now I know that the Lord saves his anointed he will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand some trust in chariots and some in horses 
but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. We have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. Save, Lord, may the King answer us when we call. That came to me in a dream just this morning. And I'm so grateful for it. I needed it. It's just, it was encouragement. It probably, like I said now, some of these kind of will fall into several categories. I believe it was prophetic. I believe it pointed to destiny. But the main thing it really did, it just, it was that encouragement. Just that, let's get going, son. You got stuff to do. I'm going to answer your petition. I mean, and I read that. I thought, my goodness, I was reading it to Allison. I said, look at this. These, and, and, and that prepares me too. These dreams are given to us to prepare us and get us, get us lined up with heaven. So questions, comments. Anybody have a dream this week? No, 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 no. I just had the direct. I've heard of people doing that. I just had the direction that it was laid out to me and said, read Psalm 20. Thought, oh. Yeah, I've heard of that, where you dream a scripture, you don't know that it's in the Word. And another thing that's happened to me quite a bit is dreaming a word, waking up with a, just one word in my head. Because I'm telling you, this is so... I've had those, and we'll get to that. Mark's got a question, but don't discount the small things, how God speaks in all of it. You could have a dream, like Allison was telling, I think she kind of had like a flushing dream because she woke up, we both had dreams. And she woke up and she was telling, and I was half awake, and she's telling me like these five-page epic, well, we were here, then we were here, then this happened, then this happened, and it was just, we were just kind of dissecting it. Uh, so you, make, you might have these huge epic saga dreams, then you might wake up with just one word, and God is speaking in that. Uh, when you talk about like the Satan dream, like in the, in the Bible you read, uh, I know you'd said last week you'd had a dream about maybe your brother had a, his car wrecked or something. Would you like a, and I guess what I, it's more like a, when you prophesy, it only builds up, but you think God would be showing you a dream like that? Like, hey, something might happen to you or something? Well, in my case with my brother, I believe God, it was a warning. And, and, you're hitting on something that I want, I want to take a little bit more time on this area of a dark dream. You're going to know clearly the difference because it's in black and white, grayscale, muted colors. It's not, it doesn't have any light in it. There's a darkness to it. God's dreams have light in them. Yes, God wants to exhort. He wants to lift us up. It was his mercy that exhorted me and to pray because in my dream I see my brother being killed in a car wreck. So I, my response was I prayed. And I believe what God was saying was this is a, a warning to you. This is something that could happen. You need to pray. So it's a, it's a comfort to me. It's a, it's a revelation of something that the, the enemy is trying to do. Now I do believe this was a God dream that was given to that butler because it was God's mercy that he was going to have to be dealt. You know, justice and mercy of God, that's a whole big topic there. But he had done something so grave 
that if, but like I said, I believe he could have probably interceded and come before the Lord and repented because scripture shows, bears that out. Because it, but you're kind of getting into something really deep there, but it's a very good question. I hope I'm answering it fairly good. But God dreams, there's going to be a weight on them. There's going to be light. There's going to be color. And they just stay with you. A dark dream from the enemy is going to be black and white, muted, real dark. And you kind of feel that when you wake up. You just feel like, ugh. I've, like when in Ghostbusters, when he gets slimed, it's like you got slimed. It's like, oh, what was that? And my response to these that come at believers, because they do, is to stand in authority. And I could go into this in greater detail. detail. I've had all of these, and I've had these where the enemy would try to come and knock me off my game, so to speak, and bring, these are usually partnered with, there's a lot of fear, there's intimidation. I've woke up out of these, and there would be something in the room, and he didn't play on my team. He would be a dark entity, and I would have to stand against that in the authority that the Lord's given me. And what's happening is, and you might say, well, why is God allowing that? Well, God is allowing me to stand. The, the, think about Job. The Satan came to God and said, I want to mess with you. You say he's so perfect. And God says, well, okay. So there are times when God allows the enemy to run at you, and some of it's in your training process. And I've had to grow and mature in how I respond to this. Because I can still go to an, a region, an area that has a lot of witchcraft, or if, say, you go to a third world country, you're looking to go to Mexico or we've been in Africa, and there's a lot of witchcraft and that's heightened. And so you go in there and these witches are sending stuff your way, trying to intimidate and shock and shut you down spiritually. So you have to learn to resist this stuff and stand in godly authority. Pray in tongues, pray in the Spirit. We don't want this. But God allows us to see this sometimes because the end result, what's really cool about God allowing this to happen is because in the midst of this, there's revel- as you stand in authority and revelation, you begin to see it, it backfires on the enemy because you begin to see his plans and purposes. He lets you kind of draw near. Is, is that making some sense? So let me, let me make sure I understand what you're saying. So all, all God dreams will be in color. All demonic dreams will be monochromatic. Black and white, no color whatsoever. Or muted colors, or muted. dark. Okay. I guess my question would be this. Paul says that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Correct. So isn't it possible that he could come in a colored dream and it still be demonic? That is an extremely good question. So not to debate it, it's just... Yeah. Just want to open that up. No, that that's really actually important. a really good question. I have, not, I have not ever experienced that. This is what John Paul Jackson taught, and I'm, I'm just laying it out to you. And actually, this concept goes back to the early, about the second century of the church. There was a Tertullian, you can look it up, an early church father. Tertullian believed this same thing, that dreams come from God, they can come from the enemy, they can come out of our soul. Um, so this has been around a while, but that's a very good question. Well, let me... Let me give you, I will give you a personal, I have encountered that, but not so much in a dream. 
I don't know if that applies to dreams. I, I don't know. But I will say this. When you're walking with the Lord, if the enemy appears as an angel of light and the Holy Spirit is inside of you, he's going to give you the discernment to see through that. And I've had that happen. We were up, Allison's middle sister was, they were up living in Maryland on the Chesapeake Bay. And we went and stayed with them on this sprawling, it was sort of a, a retreat center. And they put us in, because you could not put new buildings on the property, they were building restrictions, they converted the turkey coop into a guest house. And it was the nicest turkey coop guest house I've ever been in. But so we're bedding down for the night. And this was not a dream, but we're talking about dreams and visions and supernatural things. Allison's already hit the head and she's asleep. Hit her head on the pillow, she's asleep. And I hear this voice over us, over like the headboard. I hear, I hear with my ear, you'll hear, you'll have things happen where you see it or you'll really hear it. And it says, peace, peace. And I, I thought, that's not God's peace. <laughs> but it was peace. And at the same time I hear this voice over the headboard, I see in my, and just inside of me, I see something come from a long ways off and it comes to the door and it stands and it's a white figure. And the Lord tells me that's a witch appearing as an angel of light and speaking peace. And then I just said, well, Lord, what do I do? He said, start praying in tongues because they've not done a lot of it here. <laughs> he said, just, and I just start praying in tongues and I just go to sleep and it's gone. It's like it really wasn't that powerful. When I just started praying in tongues and just kind of kind of did that until I went to sleep and it was gone. But that was my experience with the enemy appearing as light. It wanted to act like it was like an angel or something. It was really bizarre. But I'm telling you, in those times with the Holy Spirit is inside of you, you will have a discernment to know good from evil. That's been my experience, but that's a very good question. I've not encountered that with dreams. Typically, it's just what it is. There's debate on that. Let me break it down, because I've had a lot of those. We do, we do know Scripture says we are not to call up the dead. That is necromancy. That is forbidden. That is what... Uh, Saw happens, saw, so we know it's possible because the witch of Endor called up Saul and he was angry at her. We know it's possible that you can do that. Now, also, what happens in the New Age, the psychic, the witchcraft arena, what more often happens is they will say, I'm calling up Uncle So and so, and it's not Uncle So and so that shows up, it's a demon that's pretending to be Uncle So and so. This was one of our concerns about Hillary Clinton when she was running because it is widely known that she communes with people. That's their terminology, but she communes especially with what, who she thinks is Eleanor Roosevelt. You can look it up online. There's even video of, of Bill saying it too. That's why I'm prefacing it with that. That is, that is something that we do not do. We do not call up. Over here, there are times 
where the Lord will allow the cloud of witnesses to come to us. We're not calling them up, but they're showing up. You know, they're out there doing stuff. And they're excited about us. And so within that camp, there's, but there's varying opinions. I've heard some say, like say, your saintly grandfather comes to you. Some people might say, well, that's actually the Lord. He's appearing as your saintly grandfather. That is one opinion of spirit-filled people. And I respect that opinion. I personally believe it's really your grandfather that the Lord is allowing for you to see for whatever reason. And I've had that happen a lot with people, godly people. I'll give you an example. I talk about working at McCurry Furniture in Warrior. I was working there when I was going to college. When I was there, there was an old salesman there. His name was Lou Dresick. He was from Connecticut. He had come down to Alabama with some buddies before I was ever born, and he went to the University of Alabama, so he was a big Alabama fan. He'd been on the boxing team with George Wallace at Alabama. So this guy had some stories. But he'd been in retail all of his life. So he'd worked for Lubman's and Pazitz and downtown Birmingham, and he was basically retired, but he would come in three days a week and work at the furniture store in Warrior. And he, he sounded like he got off the bus still in his 70s, sounded like he just got off the bus from Connecticut. He was, hello, I'm Lou, hello you. He was of Polish descent, Dre only Dresic in the phone book in Birmingham. Well, I worked with him three or four years. He turned 80, had a heart attack, did not come in, and died, and he was gone, and it just crushed everybody at work. He, everybody just loved him. He was just one of these, you could talk to him about anything, and man, I went and learned about furniture. I was clueless, and he's telling me, well, this is made out of hard rock maple, and this is, this is mahogany, and he just knew his stuff, you know. It's just, I love to be around people that have that knowledge. And so he dies, 80 years old. And he was Catholic. And he would go to Mass. He would leave early every Saturday, so he'd go to Mass on Saturday night because he didn't want to go on Sunday morning. And we talked a lot about Catholicism. He told me a few times, he said, man, you'd make a heck of a priest, except he didn't say heck. But he just, he's a Catholic. So... I was a little grieved in my spirit because I'd had conversations with him. He knew where I stood, but I didn't know completely where he stood. Two weeks later after he dies, I have a dream. And I go, it's almost like I get on a train and I go on a journey. And when I get off and I, I go somewhere, I, I get chills and I still think about it. I see him and he's dressed in solid gold. And I am, he walks, I'm like, Lou, it's awesome to see you. And we just embrace, and it's like I can feel it in the dream. I'm waking up thinking, I, I just hugged him. But he's dressed in salt. Well, what is gold? Gold is the nature of God. And when I woke up out of that dream, there was no question in me about where he was. I knew he was with the Lord. But the Lord allowed me to have that experience. And I've had several others. I had one... I've said a lot about John Paul Jackson because he's a guy that just stirred this up in me and was teaching on dreams and coming to our church. Well, how many know when you get around that prophetic anointing, Paul can tell you, you just start prophesying. Well, what I learned was the same thing with dreams. John Paul had an uncanny anointing with dreams. I believe he was a forerunner, and I believe it's supposed to be in the church. But every time he would come... I would just start dreaming. 
and I'd have dreams that he was in. And I would tell him, and he would just rattle off, well, that, this is that, this is that. Well, one of those dreams, I won't go on the whole thing. There was a section about him, but there was a section about me, and my deceased papa shows up in the dream. He'd been dead a few years, and here's my papa. And what's interesting about the dream, notice the first dream, Lou was dressed in all gold. The Lord was showing me something. Well, my papa was not dressed in all gold. He was just kind of dressed in the clothes he would wear kind of working blue-collar clothes. He had worked up in Michigan and worked in some of the different auto manufacturing plants and distributors. Blue-collar guy. Salt of the earth. He fought in World War II. But in this dream, he's walking, and he didn't walk with a limp, but he was walking with this limp in this dream. And I said, John Paul, why was, why was my grandfather walking with a limp? And he immediately knew what it was because he'd been interpreting dreams, thousands and thousands of dreams this man had interpreted. He said, your grandfather did not fulfill he, his destiny and you're supposed to fulfill it. He, there's things he was not able to fulfill. He didn't walk it out completely. There's th gifts and callings in him that you're... And I've not thought a lot about that because my other grandfather was the preacher that I felt like I was following his... He was the seer. He was the prophet. He was, this grandfather was a believer, but he was the hard-working man. He was the take your engine apart and put it back together. But there was something in him that God was saying, you're supposed to walk that out. He didn't walk it out. It was he called it unfulfilled destiny. But I've had multiple... So have you had some dreams like that? Yeah, sort of like that, yeah. Would you like to share any of them? No. I don't want this to be let's come hear my dreams because I can fill up nights on about I mean, my dreams. I'm saying like, like you're saying, you know, seeing like my granddad or something like that in a dream. And I just, I've always assumed that this is just me now, that God wouldn't send nobody out of heaven to in a dream like that for you to see. Where is heaven? Maybe he didn't send them out of heaven. Maybe he sent you to heaven. You know, one of the things we're learning more and more, and once again, this all kind of gets in the deep kind of territory, but I believe heaven is dimensional. So it's just stepping into another. Heaven could be right here with us. The question is, did he come out of heaven or did you go up to heaven? And maybe you didn't even know it. But see, it's just perspective and it's just God allowed you to encounter him. Now, don't go home and say, God, I got to see him again. And you know, sometimes I've wanted that. I've said, John, I really would like to see them. But we don't, we don't go set up an altar and start doing little mantras and stuff. That's a very, that's one of our best qualifiers and to say, well, can they, can they be back with us? Absolutely. The Mount of Transfiguration is the best evidence we have because there was Moses and Elijah. I mean, I could step out even further. I've heard some prophetic people nowadays even say while they're preaching they had a sense that a, a biblical figure showed up with them on stage. I believe it's very possible, very likely. Why does God do that? Sometimes it's to emphasize a point or to bring a certain anointing that they walked in. But that, there's a whole realm of that we've not understood and we've been afraid of. We've not been taught. We've just... It opens up a huge area where there's a lot of debate, and then some people are just, they don't even want to go there. They're terrified of it. The really cool thing about 
Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration, if you study Moses, there's some comments that Moses makes that multidimensional people believe that what Moses was experiencing, the revelation of Jesus, and Jesus talking to Moses was happening at the same time. Got, we want to move the mic over. Since you've opened this realm up, I wanted to go here for tonight. Come on, let's do it. Uh, it wasn't a dream. It was actually an open vision. Um, but it was a black and white picture that people began to move in. 1920s, 10s, whatever. And all of a sudden, Smith Wigglesworth catched the stuff out of it. Yeah. And he put his right hand on me. It was on fire. And that's what it was. And I got waylaid in my bedroom that night. So what is that? And that's just uh, an impartation of the anointing? I believe Or is that something else? What do you think that is? I believe you got an impartation from Smith Wigglesworth. I absolutely. I've had those in dreams. I was watching Rodney Howard Brown a lot years ago. On TBN, you were talking about TBN the other day. Well, I grew up on TBN. And uh, Rodney Howard Brown, you know, kind of came on the scene. And he was known as the laughing, uh, what, what, laughing evangelist or something like that. And I was watching some of those meetings. And I stayed up one night with my dad watching the meeting. and just blown away by it. I go to bed that night. And I'm in the meeting. And I come up and he's going touched or whatever he would say. And I just go out. I'm slain in the spirit in my dream. I've had that with a few other people, and I know it's an impartation that the Lord wanted me to receive it on a deeper level. And I believe that's what happened to you. Now, ultimately, it comes from God. But the Lord is highlighting that person's life to show you something specific there. And if I were, if that happened to me, and maybe you already had been studying Smith Wigglesworth. But if I hadn't been, I would, I would go get a book and read about his life. That, that was kind of a, you know, that could be labeled as encouragement. It could be destiny. It's prophetic. But to me, it also can kind of, dreams can point you, or an experience like that, a vision, can point you in a direction. And that's one thing that's important in this. It's part of our understanding of dreams and visions is... Um, what is our response to these things? It's one thing to have them happen, but there needs to be a healthy response. How are you responding to it? And what I've learned is it starts with prayer. Pray about it. Get an idea of what's going on, or if you don't have that, ask the Lord and pray. And say, Lord, what does this mean? I don't know what this means. But there needs to be a response. Don't just let it go. There needs to be a response. Like today, I had that dream, Psalm 120. Well, my response was, I need to pick up and read Psalm 120, and I need to meditate on that. There needs to be, God is, He's given a word. It's just like if you got a prophetic word in church. You get a word. Well, don't just sit on the word or, or say, yeah, that, I think that might bear witness. There needs to be a response. Do something with it. Even if it's baby steps, like, what about Bob? If you said, my son got a kick out of that movie. What about Bob? He's, he's taking this, these baby steps to do things. But even if it's baby steps, respond to it. Yes. Hey, my first dream, I knew it was absolutely from God. This was a very cool dream I had. It was where it was bright and it was happy and several things happened, like just days worth of stuff, it seemed like, just happened. And when I woke up, I looked at the time, and it had only been an hour. 
and like so much time and so much stuff had happened and God told me, he said, that's how time is in heaven. You know, there's not a hour, a minute, a second, you know, it's just, so I thought that was very awesome how that just, you know, happened. So anyway, my second, this is a question. So when we dream dark, like sinful dreams, like something that had been a part of our past mm-hmm. sin or something mm-hmm. that, you know, we have to fight against. Mm-hmm. So what, why would we, is that just the temptation trying to come back? And It certainly could be a temptation. I think that would fall into one of these two dreams, I mean areas. It's either a dark dream from the enemy. You know, I was talking about what, what is his nature. He's, what is his name? He's the accuser of the brethren. He's going to bring up things. It could come from here, but it could also be something still residue of sin nature that you're still carrying that God wants to bring deliverance to you. He wants you to be, he wants, it's in his mercy to say, you know, you've still got a little of this. Let's deal with it. So it actually could, and then that could come back here. It could really be God. When I say it's, it's full of color, it stays with you. You said you had a lot of happiness, contentment. That's often true. But it also could be a dream from God that you wake up and you're kind of puzzled or, it, it, or, or you're like I have a dream where somebody died and I'm kind of emotionally, I'm a little bit sorrowful. So it may not necessarily, necessarily always be happy, but it stays with you. There's light in it. There's light in it is the key. And I think both of those, especially the first one, there was light. And you brought up a good point with your first dream. God can use dreams to teach you something even greater, to teach you about his nature, to use that. But I think if he's bringing something up from the past, my response first would be, God, if there's still an issue with me, I repent, help me to see it. I want to be completely free and overcome. And then when you feel like you are completely free, if it's still coming up, then you know it's just an accuser thing and you just stand in authority and just say, I'm not that person anymore. Well, think about where, where it's coming from and the tactics of the enemy. He's the accuser, but also with temptation, he entices. So he started out sort of accusing you, and then he flips it. He's, oh, well, I'm going to entice her too. That's when you need to stand in authority and say, look, I'm not that person anymore. Anytime anything in that dark category, you just stand in authority. With the God dream... You want to receive it and respond. With the soul dream, really you just kind of want to allow it to pass through and just move on. When I say soul dream, it could be a pizza dream, just something that's just nonsensical, really. It doesn't, it's just something that's coming up out of, out of maybe what went on in your mind that day or that week. It doesn't really run some, it doesn't have such a clarity that these two can, because this can be very clear, but it's just to rattle you, your cage. Well, you're not in a cage, but to just rattle you. This one is clear because it begins to send a signal of typically direction. All of these usually point to a direction. God, we're already out of time. Anybody have a question or thought real quick? We, we never discussed it because I didn't know he was thinking about it, but both of my parents have passed, and my sister... She would tell me, especially after my daddy died 10 years ago, he would come to her every night in a dream for a long time. 
but he was just speaking the same encouraging things that he would speak to her when he was here. And then the same thing happened to her after my mother died, mm. too. And every once in a while, she'll say, Daddy came to me last night. Yeah. And so, you know, because I'm kind of like you, why ain't he coming to see me, you know? But uh, I think, you know, maybe she needed it more. Yeah. You know, that's one of those God's sovereign. it's in God's sovereignty. Yeah. We don't know. But maybe she needed it more. Maybe she's just more sensitive. Let's be honest, some of us are just more sensitive in these areas. Some of us are just, it's the way God has gifted us. Some people, um, I could be teaching this class and there could be people in here dreaming 12 dreams every night. I've met people like that. They just fly all night, you know. Check, they check out of this world and check into another. Well, you're bringing up, like I said, there's two opinions on that and you're hitting on it. Is it the father or mother or is it God or an angel coming to bring comfort and showing up as them? I believe it could be either. And I think sometimes it's the context that it, in this situation, maybe it is the Lord. In this situation, maybe it is really them. But you're bringing up a point, like I said, those are two rules of thought right now in people that really do interpret dreams. And I've talked to people. There are some that believe it's God showing up as that person. And then there are others that believe it's a cloud of witnesses and, and we're just seeing them. Do you think that, that some of that may play into their, um, to where they are? In other words, like yeah. their experience, their level of relationship is going to affect how they hear a voice. Like I've always heard, you know, sometimes you hear God speak to you in your daddy's voice, mm -hmm. you know. Absolutely, and and so that's that really plays more with our experience, our experience in the earth, and not so much his voice. It's how we hear that. Like she may, I don't know. I'm not. This is not judgment at all. But she may associate certain things that she hears from the Lord because of her experience with her father, and just automatically her her perception goes to the image of her father. I don't know if that's possible. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. She might have thought she was seeing her daddy come to her every night. It could have been the Lord. And just because if she wasn't in a place to perceive that she was actually talking to the Lord, all she had to do, all she had to connect that with yeah. in her dream was a vision of her, a, yeah. a visual image of her father. I don't know. I, and I was just saying that from, I don't think it's what you call uh, calling people from the dead or anything. No. I think it's no. encouraging. No. I think either way, it's encouragement to her. It brought comfort, encouragement. I think it's one thing for them to show up, and then it's another thing when they have something to say. That's when I take note, either by their words or by their way. Like my grandfather was limping. That was speaking to something that the Lord wanted me to know. So that's, if I was to talk to her, she's a believer, I was to talk to her, I would say, listen to what, what are they saying? You said he keeps saying something that he said before. Yeah, she's a believer, but uh, her condition at the time, you know, I can't, I can't speak for. Well, I would look at what they're saying, too. There's something that's being communicated. Because God is allowing this to happen. He's either saying it, he, he's saying it either way. He's either saying it directly or he's using them to say it. But just like an angel coming to us, when you have an experience with an angel, that, they're a messenger. 
they have something to say. So we need to receive it, receive and respond and do. Because uh, my experience is nine times out of ten, there's something being, like with Lou, there was something being said. He's in heaven. He made it. And then with my papa, there's destiny here that's unfulfilled. And you're the grandson. You need to walk it out. You need to find out what it is. And I'm still working on that. But there's destiny here. There was gifts and callings that he did not walk in. And you need to walk that. It's in your DNA. It's in your family line. You need to walk it out. It's pretty amazing when you start digging. We've, do, we've dumbed this stuff down. We're, we're living a supernatural life. God wants us to live a supernatural life. Let me end with one more story for you to think about with this. I did, we went to John Paul Jackson's memorial. And matter of fact, last week, February the 18th, was the two-year anniversary of his passing. And I, I'm not trying to put this man on a pedestal. God, he, he had his faults, but God really used him. And, and he just, I was praying about him over the weekend. I was sort of thinking about him. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, yep, there's, he's like Elisha. There's anointing on his bones. But um, when they buried, he died on Wednesday, February the 18th, 2015. It was Ash Wednesday, which was significant. And they, the family had a private burial, and I know a few people that went on that Sunday. We were not invited. We went to the public memorial. But the day they buried him on that Sunday, I had a dream, and he was in it. And I spoke to him briefly. And what was interesting was I had been working on my computer, and I was trying to do some things to it. And I said, well, I've done this and I've done that. And it was an apple, and he liked apples. He was one of the first guys I saw with a apple upon using it to preach out of. I mean, 10, 15 years ago. And he said, well, he listened to me and he said, well, maybe you just need to reformat it. He, That's the day they bury him. I have that dream. I'm talking to him. He says, you need to reformat. Now, what does reformat mean? Computer people. I'm not really a computer person, but my understanding is you have to clean it out and start all over. And I felt like that was a word to me. There's some things you need to clean out. And you may have to start all over on some things. But that's okay. But I had an experience where I saw him the day they were burying him. He was in my dream. Uh, and I just, was that God? Maybe it was a God or an angel. It looked a lot like John Paul. But it was really fascinating to me that I had that. And it meant a lot to me. Those kind of dreams can be comforting to you. It's like, well, I, I didn't get to go to the, family and I'm okay with that because I wasn't in the inner circle and I'm cool with that but it's like I kind of got to go anyway you know 